0: Perfect song, are you sure? Um, which leads us nicely into technology talk. I'm joined today um, in a, what will be a new regular spot with Super Yacht Technology and the founder, the man behind it all, Jack Robinson. Um, welcome, Jack. Welcome to Super Yacht Radio.
1: Hi. Thanks for having me uh, on Super Yacht Radio today.
0: Um, your your name. That I personally have known since I've been in the industry. So that's going back about 15 years. You've had a, a very long career. Um, I, there's very few people, I think, out there who doesn't know Jack. And if you don't know Jack, you should know Jack. <laughs> uh, you're the man behind. Well, yeah, been, uh, huh? Sorry. No, my apologies. I, uh, I was in a hurry to hear my own voice there. <laughs> <laughs> Get used to it, Jack. Too I am. And... <laughs> um, yeah. Before we kick off, for the two or three people out there who may not know Jack, who are you? How did you get into this industry?
1: Well, I actually, by accident, I started my career at Future Publishing, which is the second largest publisher in the, in the country. Magazines like PlayStation and um, uh, Dot .NET and uh, Edge. Oh, uh, Dot uh, Net, I remember that. So, yeah. yeah, they're all very big, award-winning Edge? magazines. Yeah. Um And I went to visit a chap based out of a a garage somewhere for an interview, and I kind of walked in and said, oh, no, this is not for me, thanks. I work for a big big corporation. And it was a chap who was launching a particular directory uh, book in the industry back about a very long time ago. And I just thought the idea was very good. So, I brought a lot of my kind of commercial knowledge from the larger publishing sector into it, and um, that business grew to somewhere around 80 50 employees over the years and became the kind of the at could, the time.
0: Could I pause you for a second? Sorry, Jack, but your microphone, <clears throat> where, where, your microphone's rubbing off the ads.
1: That's a bit better. Is that better? Yes, much better. We were, uh, okay. It, it was just. Let me know. No, I can always that's... change change Bluetooth headsets. Is that okay now? No, that's or perfect. Couldn't... Now we we're yeah, just fine. having a bit of rubbing. So yeah, as I said, that that's that's kind of how the uh, origin started. And after working there for around I think six to seven years, um, I moved to Majorca. Just really wanted to take a break, enjoy life a little bit. And um, uh, at that time, I met a gentleman. Uh, who ran a research and development company building specialist technology for yachts, um, who had some great products, but simply was struggling to, to get them uh, to market. And uh, so I initially came in as a consultant, and then I became global distribution manager, and finally commercial director, uh, working directly on new build projects alongside uh, you know, large AV installers, and also in the, in the residential segments um, for between five and six years. So, um, yes, and and after my time there, I, I took the, uh, you know, some say crazy choice to start Superior Technology that is a information network um, for technology buyers, something that avoids lifestyle at all costs and really focuses in on, you know, the nitty gritty of tech. Um, you know, we're targeted to AVIT officers, technical crew, engineers, uh, technical managers and management company, project managers, owners, reps. I mean, the list goes on. But basically, I would say we're all about weaponizing your knowledge of technology. It's, um, it's also good for
0: voyeurs, people who just have an interest in technology and want to see what's going on. Um, well, I don't want I, I, to confuse
1: people about what the content of my website is. <laughs> but, but, uh, yes, look, if you, uh, if you want to look X, 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 in XXX super yacht technology. Super
0: yacht, <laughs>
1: Uh, we, we do do a lot of fun pieces we have over two and a half thousand pieces of editorial content if you want to see uh, You know uh, Augmented robotics potentials applications for crew. We do look at some of the ridiculous in the future And I make sure I attend shows like CES in Las Vegas So that I can step two years three years into the future of super yachts and tell you what's going to be coming not next but next after next um, mm-hmm. at the biggest consumers technology show in the world. Um, and that also goes in tandem with speaking to global-level suppliers who only have one toe in the super yacht sector because, you know, we, we have a we do have a tendency to be internally focused and it's important for us to bring these big players in to say, look, you know, this is what we're doing in other industries and that's some of the stuff we'll cover today.
0: Do they actually consider us? I mean, I, I'd imagine somebody you know, at... at Who's looking at the global market? So the super yacht area is—it's probably quite a small market for many of them, and also the application in super yacht may not even be considered by many of them, because we are very well, specialised in our needs. Um,
1: we are, um, but we also have a—we're very victims of copy and paste. We're—we're we're reluctant for change, and um, uh, you know I, I've always been controversial, so I'm going to carry that on today. Many shipyards out there, even the, the leaders, um, you know, would be considered in the wider shipyard world to be potentially, they're fantastic shipyards, but technologically they're lagging behind um, some some shipyards like uh, that have adopted already, you know, 100% robotic welding. Uh, but on the other hand, we do have incredibly specialist needs uh, mm. within our sector to meet owners' demands. So, I would quote, when I was at CES, I met the global marketing manager for, well, let's just say a brand which is probably on most people's television at home. And she said to me, we love the super yacht sector, all of the demographic evidence, the growth is, is obvious. It's very interesting to top down influence the world, but it's absolutely an exotic marketing field and none of the normal rules apply. So, that presents its own challenges for many companies.
0: Hmm. never thought of that. Lucky you to get to all these, uh, these shows. I'd love to go to, uh, to that CES.
1: But well, um, I, I recommend it to, you know, if you're an AVIT officer, if you, you, know, you have someone in a management company, they should send somebody to these shows. There is amazing products there. And, and hmm. let me be clear, it is the biggest show in Las Vegas every single year. They take over every hotel the conference center and i saw some absolutely incredible stuff which you can watch on uh, the montage that we do every year on uh, on our website an overview of the best tech of ces on superyacht technology and and you know see some of the amazing things whether it's uh, you know air purification uh, robots or, or or just to be honest the the 10k super dynamic screens that are just, just uh, you know, obviously you can, uh, so much you can get out of watching a video of a screen, but are still incredibly impressive.
0: Hmm. Um, you've also started up for next year. You're looking at setting up a conference of our own in, uh, in Barcelona. Tell me a bit about that.
1: That's the one. So uh, I decided to do the crazy thing to uh, basically uh, take everything we have in the world and with the support of our investors to hire the World Trade Center in Barcelona uh, really is a perfect location at, at the heart of the super yacht industry mm-hmm. to bring the super yacht technology conference 2020 um, to, to, to our world. I mean, I think we deserve a dedicated conference for technology. And, we're, you know, I've attended the 12 masterclasses from Google on uh, presentations that they, that, they, that they do here in London. Um, And that's a format we're bringing in a kind of TED Talks style. So there's no written words allowed on the main auditorium stage. We have a capacity to hold up to 500 delegates. We're building an amazing innovation lab above the auditorium. We've hired the whole of the World Trade Center's conference facility all to ourselves. And in there, we'll have up to 40 to 50 stands, uh, a workshop stage. We're flying in the Masters from Crestron. We've got huge global brands, the foremost expert in the world on lighting. We did London and Beijing Olympics. Um, we've got the head of Dolby. We've got, I mean, the list just goes on and on and on, but we won't be releasing many of these until um, September as mm-hmm. a kind of a constant flow of who's who's going to be speaking at the event. Um, because I don't think we should dilute down technology. And, and if I'm completely honest, I don't really think we should have too many sales pitches, those, should, those have got their place in our innovation lab. But the main stage, these should be three to four million views on Ted Talks, YouTube, global influencers who are amazing speakers. I mean, if you watch Roger van der Hyde talk on when he comes in and, and says, uh, you thought I was going to talk to you about light, but I'm going to talk to you about its best friend, darkness. <laughs> Your hair stands on end. Well, not mine. That's <laughs> not you, <new> David. But, <laughs> um, but yes, uh, and those are the people because we should. Technology should be inspiring. Um, mm-hmm. We shouldn't have a windrush on at conferences. We should be inspired, and we should all share information. So I'm inviting all the management companies, the shipyards, the technical crew, and the best suppliers, integrators in the world to all come together and have a, a beautiful conversation in an amazing location in the heart of Barcelona on the 1st and 2nd of April 2020.
0: Uh, And what's your hope of what comes of the conference? Is it that people leave inspired? Is it that they leave seeing new possibilities, um, new technology that that they can then look at the industry and go, ah, you know what, that will fit in here. Absolutely.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely and, and, and we learn as well. Where are the mm. possibilities and where are the limits I and mean, we have global speakers from Intellion, we have people from new tech uh, We have you know some incredible stories. We have a super your owner who's going to come and tell us his experience and owners We have a tandem talk going on between uh, a fleet ETO for the a royal family uh, in based in the uh, Arabian world, let's say that's mm. about as far as we're allowed to say in tandem with an ex-Oceanco's, one of top brains, actually together on the stage at the same time, bouncing off each other in a fantastic talk. Is there a danger that they
0: spontaneously combust if they come too close to each other?
1: Well, I think you make a really good point. <laughs> I think everyone would agree that technology sphere in super yachts could be called a disjointed family. Mm-hmm. Having sold technology myself, I know sometimes companies get blamed unfairly. On the other hand, we do have a huge, you know, potential to have rogue suppliers selling technology they're not experts in and and i've always said to people at the last two conferences i've spoken at in malta and athens work with experts in their field Uh, a man in a van who promises you everything like the artful dodger maybe short-term you know cost effective but Mm. they're simply not experts
0: no one one out of a thousand times you get lucky um (laughs) but usually it's money down the drain and a lot of regret
1: yeah and then repeating the process and a lot of blame so mm. yeah I, I, I think negativity attracts crowds I think if you go to a conference you see a bunch of owners you know shouting and arguing with charter brokers across the room well yeah like you know like Jerry Springer that draws in the crowds but actually how useful is it to our industry so I don't really want that. I want purely technology. I want everyone, like you say, to come away inspired. I want, I want them to see magic from the moment they walk into the main hall of the World Trade Center. Um, you know, I'm taking elements from CES. I'm taking elements from other things that I, I've been to. Um, and there will be a meet the bio area. And I said, upstairs, there is a smaller stage for workshops. And these are 100% for demos, because a lot of our surveys have shown people want more demos for workshops. And for what you would call sales pitches, because there's nothing wrong with them. I just think, you know, at at conferences, they don't (coughs) really have a place on the main stage.
0: I'm going to ask a question that possibly, I I hope it's not an unfair question. And I try not to ask questions that I I don't have an idea what the answer is going to be. But just one thing that, that from listening to you, one thing that that, that I think the industry possibly needs is a steering committee that um, looks at the standardization of technology with the industry. Um, Because one of the things that struck me when I got in, I I came from a a corporate background of IT. And the first thing that uh, really struck me when I got into the industry was looking at the IT deployment on super yachts and was shocked with the lack of standardization, the lack of adherence to basic rules of, of IT in in any, um, I would view it as an SME environment, a small, medium-sized enterprise, which is ostensibly what you've got, plus I have a lot more on the yachts. Is, is that something that, that you're looking at addressing with the, the conference of getting a group of, of industry professionals together and say, look, how do we drive standardization in the industry? How do we... Um, How how do we do this going forward, or uh, is that not something that you think would be worthwhile?
1: I think that we have uh, numerous different factors involved in uh, the decisions that we make as an industry, and some of them, quite frankly, are just out of our control. When you come from a, I mean, to an extent, I do agree with you. uh, When you come from a corporate background, you're regulated by very fixed, land-based regulators where regulations are very clear. Uh, your, sorry.
0: I came from a banking financial background, so it was even um, more re- uh, you know, statutory regulations imposed on us.
1: Absolutely. And you're also you're fixed to a single location, for example, the United Kingdom under a regulatory body where all mm-hmm. of the contracts that you issue are based within the law of said country. So um, it simplifies things. I think within our sector, we have a huge issue where we are too small to regulate for many of the major regulators. It's a quantity of energy and resources they would need to put into our industry when it's incredibly hard to regulate because you're dealing with an object that moves from country to country, possibly between very adverse regulatory areas. If you're going to Russia, into Europe, to Asia, et cetera. So, um, and, and, and I will say that I do think in some cases people take advantage of this. And this is why I talk about weaponizing your knowledge, because my speciality area was uh, complex radio communication systems, um, which really uh, the company I worked for was the pioneer in developing the operating system for digital mobile radio. When I came into that area, the amount of simply complete and utter rubbish that was being said about digital mobile radios um, was 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 quite Amazing. So before we could sell any product, we really had to re-educate the market, and we saw raids by police on on yachts for using illegal frequencies. And unfortunately, this is a combination of misunderstanding, but also sometimes somebody promising a magic pill to solve all of the problems. I think there's a responsibility then with yachts to look at this and go, wow. This is a magic solution where I will have something that nobody else in the world is able to have. If it's too good to be true, then it probably is. And sometimes, unfortunately, we just have to work within the bounds of the regulations that are set down. So the ITU provided a number of marine frequencies to the industry to use globally. And unfortunately, that's what you've got. They did not provide enough uh, frequency bandwidth, in my opinion, for our entire industry. So it presented problems. But that does not mean that suddenly someone can go. Oh, you know, here's a frequency outside of this that you can use. Only I'm able to get it. You know, I'm based out of my van in Mallorca and I've got a magic frequency which the United Nations what have you has got just against
0: vans.
1: <laughs> I, I just, you know, I just, I lived in Mallorca for three and a half years, and I, yeah. I know the man in the van symptoms. So it's that frequency is simply illegal. Now, um, I, I was, you know, we obviously there was a public uh coverage of the raids on the uh the yachts in barcelona that interfered with the train system Mm -hmm. over there and i was myself will never say any of the yachts or individuals involved was called out when i was in mallorca uh to see a captain being led away in in handcuffs uh, um because they'd interfered with the police uh, radio frequencies so it's it's yeah like you say regulation absolutely there is rules in place which the superior industry can follow. But sometimes we fall between the cracks and we're too small to regulate. And then I can't really blame people for bending the rules or or sometimes slightly snapping them because otherwise you have no solution there at all. Radio
0: Radio Waves brings us on to a subject that we were talking about yesterday where in this year's Monaco Yacht Show... um, They've announced that they'll be having a 5G network in Monaco. Mm.
1: Well, uh, interesting. interesting. I I would say uh, Monaco as an example of lack of infrastructure would have been quite an interesting example because I don't Mm. know if if you've uh, yourself experienced at the Monaco Yacht Show being unable to make a phone call.
0: Oh, my God. It's got (laughs) two two cell towers, I think. Um, and which is fine if nobody's in Monaco, um, (laughs) we've all, I think anybody who's gone to Monaco and attended a show there or formula one or any event, um, knows the difficulty in trying to get any form of communication out of it. It's, it's really, it's yeah. Nine times out of 10, you're going to have a drop call or if you can get any data going, that's. It's a miracle. So I agree. It's um, a great place to, to trial it. It certainly needs it.
1: Um, well, the problem is when you say trial it, it's always dependent on infrastructure. 5G <laughs> is just a word. And there always has to be infrastructure to support 5G. And this will include the capacity to deal with a number of calls. And, and And we do have to remember that 5G simply will mean that a possibility to consume data faster, um, and with many yachts looking to really, t- t- you know, with with an angle on on cost effectiveness, then that needs to be something taken in consideration. I mean, I'll, I'll quote my friend, you know, Dermot Crotty at, 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 at E3, uh, said to me I think it's back in late 2018, 2000, early 2019. You know, many sorts of IT structures can't even support 4G speeds, never mind 5G. The kind of refit uh, would no doubt be costly time-consuming the long-term benefits would be worthwhile are we saying that in the last year monaco has entirely upgraded their entire uh, mobile phone infrastructure because if not it's great that they've got 5g but i think we're just going to all have that same problem
0: so really all you're going to see on your phone is a 5g symbol but not getting any benefit
1: and i think that's what a lot of yachts will see in the more remote areas i mean we're bringing uh we're bringing 5g really to core urban areas first um I, I went to listen uh to qualcomm uh who really probably amongst the world's leaders uh in that ces uh, uh that conference mm-hmm. and and really you know again these are things these are being rolled out in the major ur- urban areas we're looking at when we're looking at coastal zones i think we all need to get dose of reality if you're going to Antigua and they haven't upgraded the main infrastructure in Antigua uh, to support 5G then you will see a 5G signal possibly on your phone but that doesn't mean you have 5G you'll just be with 4G and to be honest with you I don't think it's it's that big a deal I think for the foreseeable future we'll see a lot of combination between VSAT and 4G uh, flipping between two systems automatically uh, a lot of yachts, uh, again quoting many AVIT officers I speak to, would still only consider 4G possibly as 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 a, a very effective backup. And I certainly think that consideration needs to be given to the to how advanced and how seamless the bonded solution that's being used is, because you know if you've got to do manual switching and this type of thing, to be able to get on between, you know, to, to seamlessly move between VSAT and 4G, then what, what's the point? And so I would look at I would look at you know, systems that have been around for a long time, likes of Cellweaver, um, mm. that are well established, um, and, and there are other solutions to be there, You know, PepWave, PepLink, um, there's newcomers onto the market like MIMO, that, that seems interesting, but effectively seems like an off the shelf technology. Um, uh, we have a really strong team behind it. So yeah, again, it's, it's just all about research.
0: Okay. Um, no, I was, I, I was reading it and I was wondering the exact same thing to myself. Was uh, first of all, well, it, it's it's uh, it's a great news soundbite for Monaco that we'll have a five G network there. And then I looked at my Samsung phone, which is a few years old, and thought it's no good to me because I'm not five G enabled. So. I would imagine a lot of people going to Monaco will have a phone that is not 5G ready, mm. um, and as you say yourself, it's uh, it's great as so long as your entire infrastructure has been upgraded to to manage that extra bandwidth. Plus, you know, 5G uh, is is a great idea, but um, for the average person just wanting to get a Uh, a Google search going or um, the normal data, will it make that much difference to your day? I don't know.
1: No, not really. And the the other thing, like you're saying as well, we've got to remember that actually Monaco is precluded from many of us, uh, you know, uh, Brits and things, telephone contracts. Anyway, uh, we have to buy additional data packages uh, to be able to operate. We Quite often, if you haven't bought those, you'll find yourself trying to use a phone network, trying to will get, get that message saying, this is not part of your, uh, you know, please call us to upgrade and additional expense. I mean, Dave, if you really want me to set the cat amongst the pigeons. Oh, do, please. Um, oh yeah, we, we, could, we could have a look at uh, some other things. So 5G is very exciting and I'm sure it will roll out. Um, I just think we need to not, look, I gave a talk recently at a conference. I said, don't over-focus on buzzwords. So you know after 5g we could talk maybe about drones and I think one of my one of my articles that I did was the best drone defense go inside and close the door because
0: <laughs>
1: well I welcome anybody to argue with me Very Your pragmatic. system is in place mm. um, it's a bit like a Dalek if you put some stairs in front of it you have defeated it uh, well until the new Daleks came along <laughs> so um, are they stairs I, enabled? Oh well, apparently so. The latest Doctor Who, they can go upstairs. Of course, in, you know, the, the old ones were defeated by stairs uh, until they learned <laughs> to the flight, so there we are. Um, but yeah, I mean, if you want to look at the next phase beyond 5G, uh, we're talking about, you know, terahertz transmitters uh, here. We're looking at uh, possibilities we're looking at a rate of 105 gigabytes per second. These are being tasted, tested by uh, Minuro Fujishima from the Department of Semiconductors. And this is all to do with another buzzword, which is slightly misunderstood. 105
0: gig per second? Uh,
1: 105 gigs per second. Uh, so ridiculous. this is all to do with solid-state technology. And and this was all revealed at the, um, the solid-state circuits. Circuit. And we talk about solid state drives and solid state this and solid state that, mm-hmm. but effectively these all have incredible but again let's not get excited this is a bit like saying humans will be able to fly or you know there's going to be a cure for all diseases in the world you might read it in new Scientist, but you know it, it it's extremely long way away and there's an enormous amount of things that could go wrong between here and the end of the path
0: speaking of humans being able to fly Bit like the goblin guy at the french bastille day
1: yeah that I mean, that's pretty... interesting tech effectively very powerful drone strap strapped to your feet yeah and i think actually dave on that if you don't mind could we could we possibly because i think 5g I, I think i don't even want to give it too much airtime right now because that's about what it's worth i'd move so on. we might want to move on to the to the drone
0: <laughs> talk to me about this mind your microphone though because it's uh uh, oh, sc- scratching a bit um, Jack has a very futuristic looking microphone around his neck and uh, which is actually very good quality but he's and also a very got a beard ear, yes. so it's,
1: it's, they're <laughs> conflicting with each other <laughs>
0: <laughs> fighting amongst okay. themselves
1: uh, tell me if that happens again and oh, I'll, well. I'll move it um, so yeah drones, I mean there's certainly a place for drone jamming around the regulations that are Uh, need to be strongly considered there's an enormously important consideration with drones in detection because at the end of the day if you know a drone is approaching your yacht you can take measures um i actually have done a montage that i like to call the ridiculous of drone and um it's on the website if you just type in the word drones You'll see the opening scene is an eagle, or depending on which part of the website you're on, it's a shoulder-mounted military-grade gas-propelled uh, bazooka. Now, these are all currently technologies available uh, that have been tested. The eagle at an airport, the bazooka the eagle,
0: is that a bird eagle, or is that a... a
1: real a real eagle trained to take down drones? You can watch an the video.
0: Eagle, it's an actual eagle bird with feathers. An
1: actual eagle bird. That's
0: trained to take out drones.
1: Yeah, there's also the uh, huge shoulder-mounted, military-grade, full active tracking uh, bazooka with the gas cartridges. It costs around $100,000 and then around about $2,000 per cartridge. But let me ask you this question, uh, Dave. So let's say for a minute you are a super owner. And You're in Ibiza on your yacht and and you have maybe a courtyard in the center of the yacht where you have uh, The ladies on board that, uh, due to your re- Religion would you would not want anybody to see? Okay. Um, and suddenly a drone flies towards the yacht and is detected and you know You're not happy about this. Now you're in Ibiza remember you're in Europe here and um So now your security chat pulls out a huge what to anybody externally looks like an actual shoulder mounted rocket launcher and starts pointing it around at the sky and then fires something that really to the local police or to the Marine police would look like somebody firing a weapon. I would say if you're gauging the risk, they will probably shoot you. So. It's about being careful of buzzwords and, and do we invest $100,000 in a technology which, frankly, I can't see you ever going to use. Well, uh, we spoke
0: to um, uh, Lee from Cyber Defence Security and um, they, they have a big focus on drone uh, management. Um, and when we spoke with them, they, they were talking in terms of, of jamming equipment. So equipment yeah. that could either jam the signal and down the drone, yeah. um, or send it into a, a go home mode, so it automatically goes back to the the launch site. Um, well, that's
1: I, absolutely <laughs> fine as long as it hasn't already captured images. If you know paparazzi, something like that. If it already okay. has the footage and it simply goes home, then you're sending the footage home to the uh, you know the drone user. Ah,
0: okay. So you you really want something that
1: um wipes it oh. again so that i don't believe is available as far as i know you do have on the montage that i put together on the website which is a lot of fun to, to watch it lasts 45 seconds it's very i'm, I'm looking forward there to ending gun. this
0: interview and going to your site
1: to have a look at it actually <laughs> there, there is a there is a gun rf gun where you can capture a drone and you can simply point the gun down to the ground um and you know and and, and you can take control of that that drone potentially so that's amongst those technologies uh, that you are you know that we're looking at but again if you have jamming has a place definitely if mm-hmm. you're in an area but remember it can obviously affect potentially other things around other you systems, just yeah. consideration to be had um and detection again speaking to mars speaking to uh you know other companies involved drone defense etc like that some obviously you're involved in the jamming side others push very much the uh you know the detection and prevention side i think both have a place because of course if you know the drone's coming you can like i said at the very beginning just go go inside and close the door Mm -hmm. i mean does anyone know of a door opening drone yet i'm
0: sure it's coming (laughs) (laughs)
1: they're all coming Uh, the swarm is coming which which I think is probably an interesting uh, form of drone technology is collaborative
0: was that so you send out a hundred drones and
1: a thousand I mean if anybody went hmm. to festivals like Coachella this year or Burning Man uh, you'll certainly be seeing they already have swarms operating as single entities and these largely been based on beehives where they've superimposed Trackable tech on top of the beehive, and they've actually studied bees to then recreate. So a thousand drones can just act as one person, one unit. Uh,
0: how? Um, sorry, this is something I've I've never heard about before. So you you'd have a swarm of tiny little drones.
1: Uh, well, or you can have a swarm of big drones. Big drones. Um, the military are incredibly interested in the technology. They I think they see this as really the future of. Of tech and I don't want to drift too much into things that are completely outside of yachting But if you imagine a swarm of you know three to four thousand armed drones Either crawling out of the sea or flying in acting as you know as one single minds Then frankly, it's it's pretty terrifying Uh, But obviously each drone can then be separated off to work autonomously or they can work as a single functional hive
0: Jesus (laughs) You're right, it is terrifying.
1: A little bit, a little bit terrifying. Um, So, yeah, on on the drone front, the reality is, though, how many yachts are really having problems with drones at the moment? So it's great to have this on board. And are you the type of owner who cares? I guess that's what it's really going to come down to. One of the biggest aspects.
0: That's that's actually a question. I, I was having a beer... Oh, a couple of years ago, um, I think it was a year and a half ago, with a chap from a, a security company. Um, and, and I was asking him, you know, you sell this this, uh, this technology to combat... Uh, it was two things, actually. We were talking about cyber and we were talking about drones. And I said, you know, you, you, you sell this... I said, But I've been on many, many, many boats um, before we were doing the radio... I was involved in putting VSAT and technology on the boats, and I, I've never come across a boat that actually had a problem. So my question to him was, how big a how big an issue is this in the industry? And he very quietly yeah, I mean, said, it's not.
1: Well, it's it's it's. We know of instances where drones have been a problem. It's an increasing potential problem, but again it's a small increasing problem. Mm. If you are the type of owner that's very security conscious, one element, uh, you know, we were speaking to some of the leading experts on the cybersecurity front uh, out there, you know, I, I can't, I, I'm reluctant to name companies sometimes okay. because I can't play, I can't play favorites, but I did speak, I can only speak recently with the the expert uh, from Riella at, at a conference together and I thought it's very interesting what, what he was saying in terms of the cyber audits, but also, Drones potentially to access information on board. If you, you know, often you would have wanted to take the yacht if you want to have a private discussion out into the uh, international waters. You can have your, you know, secret uh, meeting or whatever you want to talk about. Obviously, a drone potentially can give you access to IT networks, um, you know, on board uh, by approaching the yacht. You probably understand more than me about that particular field. Um, It is important to some owners. And at which point they should gauge their investment. I don't think buying a shoulder-mounted, rocket-propelled device. And I'm sorry to the company who, who sell that, but in my opinion, is a good investment. Um, I think there are a lot of other things that I would uh, I would be investing in first. In extra doors <laughs> on the train. <laughs> more doors, just doors yeah. everywhere. Uh, <laughs> quite frankly. So, um, yeah, I. I, I, I I think drones actually have a lot of positive applications in in society, and will do. You know, if we think about uh, your capacity to explore new areas as a yacht, to use the drones to look where you might be going in the future, uh, it's almost like an airborne version of the amazing technologies that are uh, 3D sonars, um, forward-facing 3D sonars that have allowed so many owners now to go into areas that were that were before. Impossible to access for uh, an owner as they as they weren't charted.
0: Okay, so using the drone, going to destinations and being able to send the drone out to look for places to go, that kind of thing.
1: Yeah, or just even you know you could potentially install things on the drone to to look ahead of the vessel to improve safety. Or if you simply wanted to make an amazing video of your charter experience, well, it's probably better seen from outside, inwards. Yeah, I've seen a few uh, of those. Yeah, so it's got marketing applications, it's got got limitless applications. There's the tiny bit where some people, like all technologies, will use it for nefarious, negative. Hmm. uh, I mean, what's going to really be interesting is, you know, when somebody uses a drone, because now, of course, if you look at competitive drones, um, the very top-end ones, the blades would be capable of going straight through you if they wanted. So, they could be used as an offensive weapon potentially. However, uh, I, I, I think, I think again, it's it's a one in a billion uh, possibility on that. I think we face far, probably, greater threats from uh, on the on the cyber side of things on yachts and I'm aware of far more instances of, of issues with cybersecurity security um, and ransoms and uh, mm. things like that on yachts uh, than of issues with drones.
0: No, we've been seeing a huge increase in, in the ransomware um, and not, not at an individual level but as you say at a, at a yacht level also in, in America um, the city uh, hall the, the um, councils that manage cities yeah. Um, they've been, the ransomware has been uh, very effective there in in bringing cities to their knees and,
1: and um, getting paid. It's NHS in, in the UK?
0: NHS, uh, they got hit as well.
1: Yeah, with the, um, I think it's called the uh, something cry, why don't cry or something like that, uh, you know, which brought down, virtually brought down the NHS. And, and actually, the US. chap who solved that problem is now in prison in the US um, because he was formerly a hacker.
0: Well, mo- most of the good ones are. Well, that's sometimes what they do. They put them in prison and then offer them a way out. I think um, mm-hmm. David Mitney, was it Mitney, Mitnick, uh, in the nineties was a was FBI's most wanted, and mm-hmm. um, they caught him. They put him in prison, and then a few months later they negotiated that he would work for them uh, in order to get his freedom.
1: And I'd imagine for free
0: well actually it's very interesting he was uh, interviewed by Parkinson and um, okay. he was saying at the time to Parkinson look hacking isn't just about some nerd sitting there chumping away at code he said most of the hacking that goes on it's social engineering and people don't focus on that
1: um, no, you're, you're, right. Um, you're right I mean, most of the faults lie with human beings and oh. this is why training is such an important element but can I say that as well, the word cyber defense is widely another buzzword that's overused in the super yacht sector. And actually what most yachts would want from companies across the industry, uh, whether it's your AVIT companies that are now teaming up with a lot of leading cybersecurity companies or your your experts that I mentioned earlier dedicated to this field, is actually a cyber audit would be the first place to start. Not start with cyber defense, but actually start with an audit of the vessel to see where the the main risk areas are, to see where the training is lacking, to see when there are dedicated laptops, why a member of staff, a member of crew, prefers to use their own laptop and shut down these access points, which is where most of the problems do occur is, is through the, the, the human element. So I think I'll say that one more time. Don't focus on cyber defense. Cyber Start with a very effective cyber audit. And that will also meet your requirements um, under the new legislation. We have to have some kind of cyber policy. You can't really do that unless you've had a cyber audit
0: yep. No, I agree. Um, I found that with many of the boats I worked on, where crew were coming on with laptops that maybe had, had no virus protection on them, their personal laptops, um, and crew leaving, and the Wi-Fi uh, code's not been cycled. So you'd, you'd have both, uh, yeah. say, in 2019, and the Wi-Fi code was my big yacht, 2005. So, well, when did you last change this Wi-Fi code? Yeah. Um, and you see that a lot, but I absolutely,
1: absolutely. but I think also we are going to see more necessity, more change. The demographic of your owner is changing. We have uh, we have younger yacht owners coming into the market who are mm. from tech backgrounds. I mean, these days, if somebody comes up to your stand as a broker in a pair of flip-flops with a skateboard in their hands, you better pay attention, because you don't know anymore this might be your latest tech billionaire, uh, you know, who's holding a uh, vegan latte in in, in their hands uh, made of recycled, uh, you know, cellulose or whatever. You're
0: you're absolutely (laughs) right. There was a story that I was told by a broker in Antibes, and there's a a very well-known character... In and around teeb who um, if you need a bicycle, within ten minutes he'll find a bicycle for you. And most people put him down as being not homeless, but you know, a guy on on tough times, and um, uh, yeah, just a, pretty much a down and out. And he would go, and a little bit crazy as well, conspiracy crazy. And he would
1: go Eccentric, in and out. I think when they're wealthy is what you're saying.
0: Well, <laughs> this is it, but this guy, there's absolutely no, no no visibility of wealth. And um, he would happen into the brokers every now and again because he was looking for the, a particular yacht. And they would pamper him. You know, They'd be polite and say, oh, "You know, don't worry, John, we'll, we'll find one. And one day he walks in and goes, there it is. I see it in the window, a 50 million sale yacht. Uh, that's the one I want. So, said, like, oh, don't worry, yeah, of course, we'll, we'll put that aside for you. And he gave them a phone number. He said, look, just phone this number. They'll sort out the cash and I'll be back to pick it up. And, uh, so the broker I was talking to, he just put that aside and his colleague said, you know, you should phone the number. You just don't know. And he goes, oh, don't be silly. I know this guy. He's, he's, yeah, you know, he goes around begging food and robbing bicycles for people. What? And he phoned the number. And, uh, he made the call anyway, just thinking, fine, well, it's an American number, whatnot. Phones it up and gets straight through to this U.S. senator. And the senator's like, uh, how did you get this number? So he said, well, this guy who lives in Antibes, and he told him his name. He goes, no way. Is that where he is now? Good Lord. Turns out this guy comes from a billionaire family on Rhode Island, um, and he's a little bit crazy, but he lives in the south of France, and the family have a minder that just follows him around to make sure he's okay. Um, But he's, uh, as you say, you just never know unfortunately the sale didn't go through but um <laughs> uh,
1: probably, probably best um what a, a quick thing i was also going to mention just because mm-hmm. uh, i know we're uh, kind of
0: yeah we're almost a little, f- little,
1: a little bit towards the, towards the end of time mm-hmm. um is, is said this younger demographic is driving more technology whether it's putting an imax onto cinema with on onto a yacht whether it's um you know, a uh, project where you have interactive technology. This is where technology is very exciting. You could have a creature, whatever it may be, a bird follow you around the yacht using facial recognition, interact individually with each, uh, each, each one of the members of the family. Um, and I think this is where the line, maybe in our next talk we could cover, where the line between uh, art and technology is defined, especially if you're doing a contract with a shipyard, because art's very expensive. What is technology and what is art? What is the content? What is the device that is actually played on? Would be a good subject um, Hmm. for the, um, potentially, the next one. But I just just want to reiterate again, um, the Super Yacht Technology Conference, um, the tickets are on sale now. it's going to be very exciting. I know you'll be there. Covering yes,
0: absolutely. The um, uh,
1: we're, we're very excited at the moment. You can follow to com to uh, get the regular updates. Well, we when is the, when is
0: the event. actual event on? Is it
1: First and second of April, April 2020. Yeah. And One of the reasons I did it then is we tend to compact everything into this first half of the year. But my argument, having spoken to a lot of technical crew, is this. You know, show them everything that's available, and then during the season when the owner's on board and there's a problem, or the owner wants a better cinema system, or better Wi-Fi, uh, better 4G, whatever, they can show them a number of solutions. Mm-hmm. They can get it signed off. They can get on the work list by September. Let's not then wait until September, October, November to approach the yachts when the owners often gone home. so all they're left with is emergency budgets and I know it often then didn't get approved
0: yeah because when when the owner's having his couple of weeks or his his time on the boat during the season um, that's when the captain can sit down with him and discuss the refit here's what we've got to get done here's what we want to spend money on Um, and as you say here's the technology we can look at for that refit period so leaving it to the end of the season it's, it's a folly
1: and if somebody out there thinks they are a good enough speaker, um, again, you don't have to be a sponsor, you don't have to have a stand. You know, that that is definitely not a path I want to go down. Uh, have have gone down with this conference. If you think you can deliver a talk that would make even Dave's hair stand on end, um, <laughs> you don't want to see then, that. you know, get in touch with me. Um, one quick thing I'm going to say again, I don't want to be too commercial here, but we have sold out both our partnerships and headline sponsors, and we currently only have six innovation packages left. Wow. Uh, and then we are sold out of sponsorship with 250 days to go. So we will have then additional stands that you can have with combination ticket packages. Mm-hmm. But if you, know, if you do want to get one of these last six packages uh, and possibly feature in our winter blueprint, which is the biannual magazine that we do all about technology, Then get in touch. Act quickly. Indeed, indeed. So I I believe we'll be doing another one of these next month. And if anybody thinks I've got something wrong, by the way, please uh, don't phone me. Uh, (laughs) Go onto the website and go to one of the numerous articles on said technology. Uh, Subscribe on the right hand side by entering your email. And leave a comment. Uh, you know, I'm more than happy to be disagreed with because I can only know so much about a lot of things and you know I'm not an expert in all these things that would be that would be impossible. So uh, again super go on there comment, watch that ridiculous video about drones. As my
0: dad used to say, in the land of the blind, the one-eyed man is king. Jack Very
1: nice. Was he
0: a cyclops? <laughs> <laughs> no, you didn't meet my mother, though, did you? Um, <laughs> we've got to rush the news. I'm five seconds behind schedule here. Jack, it's been an absolute pleasure. Okay. The first of, I think, many um, informative and fun talks. I look forward to our next one. So and Jack, see you at
1: the Super Technology Conference 2021. Thanks, Dave.
0: My pleasure. That's Jack Robinson of SuperYacht Technology and the SuperYacht Technology Conference. And it's now time for the news at the top of the hour. Thanks for joining us.